On today's podcast from the North Walhalla Church of God, Pastor Neil continues the study of the tabernacle and specifically the gate. Today's message is from Wednesday, February 21st, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Exodus 27, verse 16. For the gate, somebody say gate. gate. Of the court there shall be a screen 20 cubits long. Everything in the tabernacle is done, every cubit, every yard, every color, everything has a place. Everything has an order. Everything represents the way that it is turned, how the gate is in the east. All of that is important because it foreshadows Christ in the New Testament. So these are not just words to pile up scripture. They show us something to come, as Hebrews tells us. And it says there, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine woven linen made by a weaver, it shall have four pillars and four sockets. Let's just stop there tonight for a moment. I want to teach on the gate as we continue the series on the tabernacle. For the next few minutes, I have two objectives. I'm going to share two thoughts about the gate, and if I can get those two across tonight, we will be successful. However, if the Holy Spirit moves us in a different direction, we will gladly follow him. Amen? As we consider the tabernacle here, she's going to scroll some pictures at first here for you. As you look at the tabernacle, and I want to give credit to Brother Pruitt. He's really helped me with this. He is very knowledgeable. Stay there for a moment. He is very knowledgeable on the tabernacle, sending me a bunch of information. We've dialogued back and forth. And if you have questions about, about this, you can go to him as well. He is really gifted in this subject. As we look at the tabernacle, facing toward here to my right, uh, your left, you see the opening of the gate. Notice the difference there. Notice how what's woven there. Notice the opening there that's strategic, allowing people to come in and to come out. But this is done for a reason. Nothing here is out of place. You see, as you come into the gate there, you have the brazen altar. We'll learn about that next week. All this is strategic showing us and leading us from the outside to the separation from the world to the inside, into the gate that is open to all people, all colors there, passing the brazen altar there that will redeem us, taking us one more step until we get to the holies of holies. If you notice this there, she's going to scroll a few more pictures. There is one gate and one door, one way of access into the outer court. There was no other way to enter or to access the tabernacle. It's easy to distinguish the gate because the contrast there of the color. The wall was white, the linen woven wall was white, but the gate was a combination of blue, purple, and scarlet. You could not miss it. This gate was there to let everybody know you can't go any other way. It stood there for a beacon to all that says, look at me. Listen to me tonight. This represents Christ Jesus the Lord. John 1 and 14 said this, and the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and also full of truth. This gate is the gate that we now know as Jesus Christ. This tabernacle of the Old Testament is God wanting to have communion and fellowship with his people. From Genesis to Revelation, God has desired to walk among his people. Sin separates.
separated that. It put a golf fix there. So God made a way to bring it where we could go into the presence of the Lord. This tabernacle represents the foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus Christ. This gate there that's so beautiful in the Old Testament would represent the Lamb of God that would come in the New Testament. And it lets everybody know, look at him. He is beautiful. He is wonderful. He is glorious. And he reaches out to all humanity. No matter what state they're in, no matter what the shambles of their life is in, Jesus Christ is still the door of hope. Jesus Christ is still the way. He reaches out to the upper class and the lowest class of society. And he says, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden. Will you give God praise if you believe that tonight? If you want to find one, just leave it up there. That's fine. If you don't understand that tonight that there is no other way. One of the beauties of Billy Graham, as I begin to listen to his old sermons, I listened to four today, to be honest. I love how when they would ask him, he was, I don't know, some of you, how many of you were living in the 60s? Anybody? <laughs> Woody Allen was interviewing him, and I don't understand how all that came to pass, but I watched that interview today when, and even, and I know my audience tonight, even when he was, they were trying to trip up Billy Graham and talking about multiple women and relationships, they could not trip him up. They could not. And when they asked him about the only way to heaven, you can hear him say, Jesus Christ and not waver. Listen to me, saints. I know that is now the stigma of our church where people are saying, how do we win people and tell them that, you know, there might be another way or can we get their tithe dollars and let them still think that they can come to God another way? The tabernacle tells us, Ashley, that there is no other door. No back door, no side door, no door to pay your way in after you have died. I'm going to talk about that in a few moments because only life can pass through the gate. This represents to us in the New Testament as New Testament Christians that there is still one way. One way for grandmama, one way for mama, and one way for little Susie, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. John 10 and 9 said this, I am the what? The door. He's it is the tabernacle now tabernacled in flesh. He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be what? Say yes. He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is showing us in written word as he tabernacled in flesh what was the tabernacle of the Old Testament. Brother Nolan, I don't like to come that way. Too bad. Well, Brother Nolan, I'm going to give some money to the church and still not be saved. No, you're not. Now, you give the money to the church. We've got some media to buy. The deacons will gladly take it. But I'm telling you tonight, it will not save you. I can't save you. Your mama can't save you. Your good deeds can't save you. Your good works can't save you. There is only one door tonight. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I want you to hear me tonight. I do not wrestle with this issue. Sister Nolan may wrestle with this issue, but I do not wrestle with this issue. There are a lot of modern preachers that now are trying to work their way around this scripture. I stand on it. I believe it. It is a picture of the tabernacle. He says, nobody comes to my father but by me. That's it tonight. 
But Brother Nolan, that's harsh. That's the word. But Brother Nolan, what about the time of this and the time of that? I believe from throughout all human history, God gives Christ in different forms. This is what I'm saying. That somehow, some way, God reveals himself and the Son of God is seen. And you and I can receive him or we can reject him. But you hear me tonight. There is still only one way. Acts 4 and 12 said it this way. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none or no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be what? Saved. You can preach any way, New Testament preachers. They told the apostles, just stop preaching Jesus. They said, excuse me, they said, we can only preach what we have seen and what we have heard. And what have they saw? The Son of God tabernacled in flesh. I'm gonna use that word over and over because it's the picture of the Old Testament. The Son of God tabernacled in human flesh, dwelled among them, did miracles, mighty wonders, and signs, went to the cross, placed in a grave, came out of that grave victorious, and ascended right in front of their very eyes. They were so convinced that he was God in flesh that they couldn't speak or preach nothing else. I ask you tonight, why is the modern church trying to tap dance around this scripture? Why are we trying to find a new theology to be accepted in society? Why are we trying to pacify everybody that comes along and said your way might be right? Come on in. It's the same God. It's the same thing. It's not the same God. It's not the same thing. It's one gate right there. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's pretty. It's splendor. It's colors of all kind representing all humanity. And I'll break that down in a moment, but it still stands there for all. It's Jesus Christ yesterday and Jesus Christ tomorrow, there is only one gate tonight. This single entrance, one way in, one way out, but it's the eastern gate. I want to be honest with you. They used to sing that southern gospel song. Tommy, you'll remember this, you're older tonight. But they would sing that song just outside the eastern gate. I used to sing it as a child, but I really didn't have no clue what they were talking about. Amen? Just like bringing in the sheaves. I still don't really understand what that means. Amen? Tommy, you have to tell me about that later. No, I'm, I'm just tonight. But the eastern gate represented in the, of the tabernacle and also the book of Revelation. There is a reason that the gate is positioned facing the east. It faced the east, east to symbolize the coming of light. Indeed, Jesus as a door is the light of the world. There was three types of lights in the tabernacle. The outer wall made of linen cloth, stood seven and a half feet tall, just, uh, just tall enough so you could not see over. Held by poles, brass or bronze or the bases. In fact, almost the metal parts outside the tabernacle itself were made of bronze. It's symbolic of the judgment in scripture. Let me go on. But these walls there, they bring a separation. They separate the outside world from what's sacred and what's holy. Letting, the, the, letting them know that you've got to come in one way. And even if you come in that way, he wants you to understand that there is a separation from all that on the outside and all that that is on the inside. Saints tonight, when you come through the gate in the New Testament, it's going to bring a separation in your life. Oh, Yes. I got some family members that don't like what I preach. May have a few church people that don't like it. 
You know the Sunday morning crowd, right? Amen? <laughs> it ought to bring a separation. Recently, some of my buddies watched Clemson play in the ACC championship game. They didn't invite me, Anthony. Oh, they're not mean to me. They love me. But they know that I cannot do what they do at that game, or I will not do. You understand? Not judging them. I just know that when I came in the gate, God began to separate me from things that I used to do. Not so I can brag of my holiness, but so I can rest in his holiness. Billy Graham told his daughter, she was married four times, if I read it right. Her husband cheated on her. She lived a life after that of pain. She ran back to her father later on in his life. She said, Daddy, I'm a failure. He said, sweetie, you're not a failure. He said, but you've just got to learn this. You've got to rest in the grace of Almighty God. Let me tell you, that still preaches tonight. Let me tell you, I am separated. And even when I make a mistake, I, let, I lean back in the arms of Almighty God and I realize I may not be perfect, but I'm not who I used to be. Once I came in a gate, all that's on the outside and on the inside, I come into a new way, a new person made in the image of Almighty God. Amen. We are separated from this world. We are a peculiar people. We are a people, a royal priesthood, a chosen Generation. And let's press this tonight. Now look at this gate. This gate is not only beautiful, it not only separates, but look how wide it is compared to the, to the rest of it. If we break down the cubits, then there's a little discrepancy here, but, but for most theologians, they believe it's 30 feet wide. The width of the entire east side was 75 feet wide. A little debatable here, but pretty much it all depends on what you see a cubit as. But this big gate right here that symbolizes, it has a curtain, and here are the colors. First, blue. Blue represents heaven. Second, purple. Purple is the royalty of Almighty God. Third, and some even say white here, but the white is really the outside representing purity. But the third color is a scarlet or a red, which represents sacrifice. Understand that? When you come through the gate, and you understand the sacrifice that was made and the blood that flowed from Emmanuel's vein. Then you understand just who he is and how great he is. And our God is a royal God. Our God is the one true God. And when you accept the one true God inside of you, what do you have? Then you have a home that's in heaven. Where you once was a sinner on the way to hell, now you walk through the gate and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I've got good news for all of you tonight. There is still a gate and there is still a door and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise. Amen. Now, what about this single entrance? Let's simplify it even more. We make salvation really complicated. We add rules and regulations. We add a day of pluralism. It really is the same as the book of Colossians, but we are so pluralistic in thinking that we're now trying to make religion more than what it should be. I want to simplify it tonight. It is still entering in a gate the door and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Brother Nolan, do I gotta do this, do that, wear this, do this, give that, kiss this ring, pay this person into heaven? No, 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 no. A relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just that simple, Brother Mark. Here is one interest for the rich, the poor, the powerful, and the lowly. 
doesn't matter. The lowest estate, the riches you have mean nothing. If you came in here tonight and you live in a single white trailer and you came and you walked to church tonight, I've got good news for you. You've got to walk through the gate just like Donald Trump has got to walk through the gate. Oh, that's the beauty of God. It doesn't matter who you are tonight. If you live on the lake or you live beside a pond, it doesn't matter, amen? We live on a lake in Society Hill. It's called a pond for the cows. You understand? It's not Lake Kiwi, but it's our lake. It doesn't matter. You've got to walk through the gate. I'm not going to make it any more difficult than it is. One door to the shepherd. Can somebody say amen? amen. Here's the good news. Look at this gate. Seven and a half foot tall on the linen. There's no way in, but the gate is always open. The gate's open for all. Oh, that's the beauty of the gospel. Some people got saved at seven and some live a life of sin, debauchery, sexual immorality, filthiness of the flesh. But on their deathbed, they were convicted by the Holy Ghost. And even though you and I, and we cannot be like the parable where we get mad and say, God, you're paying them the same wage as you're paying us. He said to that man, did you and I not agree on a wage before? What is it your business on what he and I agree with? Let me tell you, the gate's open for all and it stays open for all. I hope my daddy, if he's lost, on his dying deathbed, I've got no problem with him getting saved late in his life. It's, now listen, he's gonna miss a lot of good years of walking and building a right relationship with Almighty God. But I got good news for somebody, that door is open until the trump sounds. I don't care where your child is at tonight, the beauty of the tabernacle is this, the door is still open. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your sons and daughters. The door is still open tonight. No other way. Not only is it open, but there's a condition here, Brother Pruitt. You've got to be alive to come through the gate, right? Nothing dead can come through. Only thing that can die is the animal sacrifice. Why? Because some religion is going to come along one day and say, you can buy your person who died already, Anthony, if you would just give me $5,000, that uncle that you want to go to heaven, give me that money, brother. And I tell you what, I'll make sure by you giving me that money, he's going to go to heaven. Okay, I was trying, I didn't know. No. After the last breath, there is no other way. You can't bring the dead through the gate. The door is open to the end, but when the end comes, the door is closed to you. See, people try to backdoor salvation. No, you've got to come through there and say, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I feel the Holy Ghost. And I need to be saved. But brother Nola, can't we just kind of get them later? They were a good person. No, my friend, I am not that preacher. It's a little old fashioned, Mike. You may not want to preach this at your church one day. This is a little old fashioned. This won't sell on TBN. But to the people I shepherd, I'm going to tell you truthfully, he's still the way. Then the, listen, not only is he the way, and there's no way after death, that this opportunity does exist to those who have died. This entrance has been clearly visible all their life. It's not hard to see. 
preachers, Billy Grahams of the world who preach in crusades and tabernacles, television preacher, modern preaching in the local pulpit, people refuse to see it. Why? They look in the wrong place. Oh, they refuse to look at it. I may not be the best looking preacher you ever had. To Sister Nolan I am. I was hoping to get at least one amen, amen? But if a person sits up on the ministry of our Sunday school teachers, we got good Sunday school teachers, amen. Up under the leadership and our pastors, even our MIP students, Brother Anthony, all the guys who pastor here with me, our Sunday school teachers, we got grannies in this church who know this word. If you come to this church, you're not gonna find another way. It was Jesus Christ 103 years ago, and it'll be Jesus Christ 103 more. Let's move a little bit further. John 10 says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, Lacey likes this scripture here. We talked about this before church. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in some other way. This is the words of our Savior. I don't care what they're preaching now. The words of our Savior said, he is a thief and a robber. That doesn't sound like the Jesus that was letting kids bounce on his lap. Yes, it does. Because he knows that any other way is a lie and it does not take people to the promised land. It ends them up in no man's land. And he is not the truth divided. He is the truth personified, the definition of the truth. And he's letting us know, even though people don't preach this, some modern preachers are gonna say, this is a parable. We shouldn't take it seriously. If my master said it, John said, no man has ever spoke as he has spoke. What preacher is gonna diminish the words written in red? Our savior said he is a robber. Listen. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Last verse, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke unto them. There are people today who still don't understand. Listen to me tonight. There is still one way and there is still one door. And Jesus speaks clearly about this in a definitive way to let them know, listen, I know there are a lot of false shepherds out here today in 2018. There are a lot of false shepherds who boast of sin. A lot of false shepherds, there was a thing on social media today where this couple is using sexual sin to share the gospel, to take people to heaven. We can compromise the standards if we want to, but there's still one way and there's still one door and his name is Jesus Christ. Can we give God praise for that tonight? In the last 10 minutes before we close, I want to share the second part. If there's only one gate, then let us walk through this gate the right way. I told you before, there's 12 tribes, three on each side. Judah, the priest in between, Judah positioned near or by the gate. Judah means praise. If we want to enter into his presence 
and come through that gate. Let us come by praise. Psalms 42, Psalms 100, Psalms 150 all talk about this praise. Tonight, I don't want you to have all that spirit of heaviness. I want you to enjoy your salvation. And if you're gonna enjoy your salvation, you may not worship as I worship, but I wanna tell you tonight, if you know him, then there's got to be a lifestyle of prayer and praise into your life. If not, you're gonna live a life of bitterness and darkness. What did Isaiah 61 tell us? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. These are the prerequisites that come into his presence. Why? Worship can never be about us. We enter to the gate and once we enter in, we discover a deeper reality of who our Lord really is. And the more I know about God, the more I want to worship God. Amen. Chris, you should worship God more that you married Victoria because now you see a picture of the marriage union and by having this great marriage, you understand more about God tonight. That's where you say amen, son. All right, I just helped you out, amen. <laughs> understand that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help people, amen. When you know more about Jesus, when I got saved, Brother Ronnie, I was just glad I wasn't going to hell and my sins were redeemed. But now I know him as a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now I know him as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. What was the Holy Ghost to a person that was drinking the night before and got saved? I didn't know he was the one convicting me of sin. I didn't know he was my comforter. I didn't know he was the one that when he got back to heaven, was, uh, when Jesus got back, was going to send the Holy Ghost not to be on me, but to be in me. But now I know him. He leads me away from sin, Brother March Banks. He leads me to the paths of truth. This God that I know now after 20 years is much greater than the God that I knew when the day I got saved. It's not that God is gaining in greatness. My knowledge of him is improving because he is revealing more as I want more and desire more. And when that happens, I praise him more. And as I praise him walking in the gate, he inhabits the, my praise. And when God shows up, things change. You won't change on your work? Start worshiping God. Brother Nolan, they won't let us have any public outplay, out, uh, display of worship. Can I tell you what to do? Go to the bathroom. You don't have to dance. You can right there in a whisper magnify the Lord. You want to change your home? Start anointing it with oil and praying and asking God. Begin to worship him. You want to change your life? Start praying and watch the Holy Ghost show up. As we grow in God, our praise should magnify the Lord. We should be greater in our worship. I'll never understand how Pentecostals want to now dampen their worship about our almighty God. Why? Three quick things about praise. Praise breaks the yokes in your life. I believe Isaiah is talking about depression. Depression runs in my family. My grandfather committed suicide after being a World War II vet. They tell us if he could have made it through Christmas, he'd have been all right. Depression, it attacks my family. Makes them feel less than. 
And the world wants us to cope many different ways. I'm not a doctor. I'm not talking about medicines, pro or con. That's between you and your doctor. But I will tell you this. There is something happens when we praise God. Something happens. The word is true. Once again, I am not crediting or discrediting medicine. I'm not talking about any of that. So nobody leave here saying that. I'm only telling you what I know praise will do. Praise will bring God to your situation. He said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Brother Nolan, what's that got to do with the tabernacle? We enter in his courts with He's been too good for you not to praise God. Brother Noel, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm growing in knowledge about God. And so with that knowledge, I, I'm becoming more um, quiet in my praise. And, you know, I've got a little money now. I don't care what you've got. Be like David. When God comes back and you feel the presence of the Lord, David stripped himself of everything and worshiped God. It is time for the church to put on the garment of praise. When you're feeling blue, put on the garment of praise. When you're feeling down, worship. When your car breaks down, give God praise. When there's 45 people at Walmart in one line and they got 45 lines, but only one open, give God praise. Okay, y'all must don't go to Walmart, amen. I shop at Ingalls now just because of that. Give God praise. When your child has a bad day, give him praise. When you don't feel like it, give God praise. Why? See, praise changes the negative to a positive in your life. When everything is wrong, you're down and oppressed because of what you see, what you feel, and what you know to be true. But when you praise God, you praise then for what you know him to be true. The situation says your child has made a mistake. But God says it's not over yet. The situation says they're bound by drugs. But when I praise God, he reminds me, if I can get you off, I can get them off. Come on, somebody. We come now to this door that's so great and we just like, well, I'm glad to be saved. No, where is the worship of the church? I want you to understand this is not just an emotion. We got four minutes, listen to me. This is a discipline. This is a choice you make. How am I going to enter church tonight? Did you make every excuse to stay home and couldn't find the right excuse? Or did you make up your mind, I'm going to church tonight. I'm going to help my pastor teach and I'm going to worship God. Tomorrow when you get fired on your job, you got a choice. You can let that, that spirit of heaviness tell you that you can't pay your bills or you can put on a garment of praise and say, God, for 20 years now, I've never been forsaken. I don't know how and I don't know when, but you've got a better job waiting on me. See, praise a change of mindset. But some of us, we don't understand that it's a discipline, therefore we're telling God, you're not worthy of my praise. If God never does, any, if God never does anything else for you, if you lose your home, your job, and your car tonight, I'm gonna make a bold statement. He is still worthy of praise. I felt that, amen? amen? He is still worthy. So tonight, I want you to make a disciplined choice. As we've walk, already walked through this gate, you and I, we're saved. But let us not forget how we came. 
I remember my first prayer, Denise. It was like this. It wasn't deep in theology. I didn't know anything about really the, the, the triune God. I didn't know anything about redemptive theology or the doctrine of reconciliation. I didn't know about, about uh, Galatians 6 and 1 and the revelation and all these nuances that I could try to impress you with. Here was my deep theological praise the day I got saved. God, thank you for saving me. God, I'm tired of being who I was. Not a lot of deep theology, is it? God, last night, if I would have got caught by the law, I would serve many years in prison. But God, somehow, some way, you've shown me that I'm lost and undone. God, I want to thank you for saving me. I've got a lot of people to apologize to. God, if you'll give me strength. But God, one more time, if I hadn't told you today, I really don't know any words more than this. There was no thus, these, thou's. It was nothing about Leviticus or Exodus. Wasn't anything about Pauline epistles? Wasn't anything about the synoptic gospels? Are you listening to me tonight? Was it anything about the Acts church? Was it the Acts of the Holy Ghost or the Acts of the Spirit or the Acts of the Apostles? I didn't know what Acts was because I was raised in a church that didn't preach from the book of Acts. Y'all weren't raised in that church. That's okay, amen. My prayer was very simple. Thank you for saving me. If you're too big for that praise, you might want to walk back through the gate again. Secondly, Real quick, just let me tell you. Not only is this a discipline, it is biblical. It's biblical. You are the church of God. I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about the church. Praise should be always on your lips. And thirdly, keep God the focus of your praise. As we begin to grow and you begin to grow, you begin to have titles and positions. Every once in a while, take your titles off. Every once in a while, push the praise away. When they tell you how great you are and how you preach and how you teach and who your mama is, every once in a while, do away with that. Remember, there's one door. One door. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is worthy of all our praise. Would you stand with me tonight? Amen. Can we give God a hand of praise tonight? Real quick, let me tell you this. Brother Nolan, what if I work with somebody that believes a different way? In the last three weeks of our church, don't, don't let your mind wander. We've had people here of different religions who do not believe like us. So pastor, what do I do when my coworker has their walk and believe that they can go to heaven by doing some work? You keep being faithful. You love them unconditionally. And when God opens the door, don't feel good about yourself, but focus the praise back on him. When they finally see that you didn't lose your mind when your child was put in the hospital, and they go, how can you do that? Remember who's contained you and sustained you and carried you every step of the way. One way, one door, one gate, Jesus Christ. Father, I've taught your word tonight. There's a joy in the house. It's not deep revelation yet. We will get there. This is almost before our eyes. These are smart people. My Sunday school teachers and leaders and pastors and laity and lay preachers that are before me tonight. Most of the people here are, are working in some type of ministry. So Father, the, the theology is not the deepest in the sense of understanding 
But let me say this, once it is understood, it is powerful. Let us walk in it. Let us be bold in the sense of that we know that we know this is what the word says and we believe it. God, let us live in such a way that we show others when they ask how can they get to heaven or how they can enter therein by the door. And Father, we're gonna give you praise for that tonight. All this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Greet each other. You can do like Philippians and fist bump or do like Philippians and greet each other with a holy kiss. That's up to you. But it's the flu season, so I would just suggest fist bumping. <laughs>